following message is presented by Community Gospel Church in Bremen, Indiana. It is our great privilege to share this ministry with you. We in no way intend for this to be a replacement for the local church. It is our prayer that this would serve as a resource to help make Jesus Christ known in our congregation and other congregations gathering across the world. For more information about Community Gospel Church, visit www.communitygospelchurch.com. Interesting. And I was still a kid, so there was times when I got a little nervous or apprehensive about things. I always remember when I went home the next day, because my parents would fall asleep, they would ask how delivering pizzas was. And I would say, you know, last night was a little bit terrifying. I had this uh, experience, and I went to deliver this pizza, or whatever the case was, to these individuals. And my dad would come in, and he would say, if you ever get nervous, you can always call me. No matter what happens, you can pick up the phone, which was funny because you actually had to pick up the phone back then. We didn't have cell phones in our cars. As a matter of fact, my dad had a bag cell phone. Anyone? And uh, he said, you could always call me and I'll, I'll, I'll wake up from my sleep and I'll come and help you out. And I'm reminded of Psalm chapter 91. Our heavenly father says the same to his children. He says, I will be there for you. Even if your earthly father was not present in your life, even if you had a bad uh, experience growing up as a kid, your heavenly father will fill all the gaps that your earthly father missed. The psalmist says, if you look at verse 15, when they, talking about my people, call on me, I will answer them. I'll be a shelter and a safety and a rock that you can cling to. Now, Psalms, we've been walking through uh, this month. We've had multiple uh, pastors present on these specific passages that are all throughout the book. And in Psalm chapter 91, we know that the author here is not known. The majority of Psalms is written by a guy named David who had uh, a bad um, upbringing a little bit too in regards to his decisions, but he was still called a man after God's own heart. And then we have one psalm that is by a man named Moses. And some of the language here reminds us of David. And some of it reminds us of Moses, but we don't know. But regardless, the truth in the text is timeless. And the psalmist is convinced here that there is security when we trust and take refuge in our Lord. The psalmist says that he is encouraged. He will be delivered or rescued from any terrifying attacks that come. That God does not sleep. He is actively awaiting his children to call upon him in any and every season of life. And this is a beautiful testimony about the security that we find in life. It is a great possession for us as saints in the Lord. And it is here where we find two assurances from the Lord. We find two assurances from the Lord. Let's look at verse 1. He, and in our day and age we have to say, and she, who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I'll say to the Lord that He is my refuge and my fortress, he is my God. He is the one that I trust in. Can you say that this morning? 
The first assurance that we get from the Lord is confidence. We get confidence from the Lord. Notice the first two verses give four titles or names for God. This is how you call upon, the God, uh, upon God when hardships come in your life. This is how you make a phone call to him when you're having problems or when you're experiencing tribulation. You, could either call, you can even call to him when you're uh, doing okay, by the way, too. That works. But look at this. All of these names speak to confidence and safety and security. Number one, he is the Most High. He is Elion. He is the God who successfully levels every threat. Amen? He's the one that pummels people. I like that. This also shows his supreme power over the world. He is the sovereign ruler. He moves from the Most High to the word Almighty. You can circle that, which is the word Shaddai. This is used in Exodus chapter 6, verse 3. And it speaks of God being able to fully accomplish all of his promises. All of the promises of God will come true. Our Heavenly Father gives us promises. They will all come true. Your earthly father may have given you a promise that did not come true. God will never do that. He will never allow that to happen. So he is the Most High. He is the Almighty. He is the Lord. That is the word Yahweh, which was a personal name for God being the great I Am. And then he closes these titles and he says, he is my God. He is my God. He is the one who has strength and power. He is the one where I can safely dwell in. He is the living God and he is the one who gives me confidence. Well, what confidence does God give? Probably should have given you that slide a little bit earlier, but that's okay. It happens. What confidence does God give? God gives confidence in what we call first and foremost in verse one, a secret place. Look at verse one. It says, he who dwells, this is a secret place in the shelter of the most high is where somebody abides in the shadow of the almighty. The psalmist says that he, meaning anyone, anyone can have a relationship with God. It's amazing the testimony of the fact that myself and my dear friend Daniel are sitting in church today. How amazing is it that we reunited here in this place, right? Praise the Lord. Anyone can come to dwell or live in a relationship with the Lord. Now in the Old Testament, this is a nod to the sanctuary or the temple proper. And since a believer couldn't physically live in the temple, they could remain in a relationship with God if they abided in his presence. So the Old Testament points to Jesus who will come, and the New Testament points to Jesus who came. And a devout believer comes to God's sanctuary in need, and we trust in him through faith. And there we find security and rest. Have you come to a relationship with God through faith and trust in Christ? Have you chosen to come into a relationship with God through faith and trust in Christ? This means we make a decision to confess with our mouth that we have committed sins and we've missed the mark of God and we accept Him as our Savior. We repent, we turn from our sins and come into a relationship with God through faith in Christ. If I were to die today and God were to ask me, why should I let you in to this place? I would say, first of all, you shouldn't. But you promised 
And all of your promises come true that because of the blood of Jesus, if I am under that, if I dwell in that place, if I have a relationship with you through faith and trust, then you would let me in. And he would say, yes, that is true. And he would take me by the shoulder and he would walk with me and he would say, now let's talk about what you did with Jesus and how you became like Christ in your life and how he was the safety in dangerous places. So how do we enter into that? We trust Christ. If you are outside of a relationship with God through faith in Christ, you are welcoming his wrath and embracing danger. My daughter and I, we took a bike ride the other day, and as we were taking a bike ride, I had to teach her what a gentleman does. A gentleman places their daughter or their wife on the other side of them if there's traffic coming. Right? If you walk on the sidewalk, men, you don't let your wife walk on this side where the traffic comes. You have her here because you protect her. She looks at me and she says, Dad, if I'm on this side of you, I feel safe. If I'm not on this side, I feel like I'm in danger. It is like you're protecting me as we go down the road. But she's still riding her own bike. I'm riding my bike, and she is content because she knows that her dad is going to take care of her when problems come. And that's the second confidence that we have in verse 2, is that Christ gives us confidence in his protection. After making all of the declaration true in verse 1, we realize that number 2 is like the psalmist saying, I'm stating a fact, and then I'm going to say, I believe it by living it out. It's like when you came to church this morning, you looked at these pews and you said, I believe that they will hold me up, and then you actually sat on those pews and you put uh, feet, for lack of a better word, to your faith. So the psalmist says, he is my refuge and my shelter from danger. He is my fortress, a strong protection, and I can trust or stake my faith there. It is solely, notice here in verse 2, the Lord who does that. The psalmist doesn't say, I trust in myself. He says, I trust in the Lord, my refuge and my strength. Uh, Dave Guziak, who's an old commentator, he says, the one who lives intimately with the Lord knows the greatness of his protection. Now, that word, my God, if you want to circle that, so many biblical characters talk about this. Jacob talked about it in Genesis 32. Miriam talks about it in Exodus. Ruth talks about it in Ruth chapter 1, verse 16. Thomas, Jesus, the list goes on and on. But let me just ask you a question. Do you? Like, could this be said of you? That I believe that when I have a relationship with God, when I choose to place myself under his care, that there is greatness in the fact that he is protecting me. I want to show you uh, how many times the Lord has failed me. This is a complete list, by the way. There's not another slide. This is all of them. This is how many times God has failed me. Not once. To have faith in the Lord is to dwell in a secure place. It is living life under divine protection. Okay, so if that's the assurance from God that you can have confidence in that, what happens when trouble comes? Because that's my question, right? 
Okay, but hold on a second. You said I can be confident in the fact that God is, is able to do more than I could ask or imagine, but my life has got some curveballs in it, right? And there's some things that have transpired in my life that I look at and I say, I don't think the Lord has delivered me from anything. If a matter of fact, I think that he's put me through some more fires than uh, I, I want to have. Well, he delivers, but he always delivers in his ways and his time. Look at verse 3. <clears throat> He will deliver you. That's a promise from God. From the snares of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence, he will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You won't fear the terrors of night when they come, or the arrows that fly by the day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right side, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Underline verse 9. Because you have made the Lord your God your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. And that's a nod to the Exodus. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. And on their hands they'll bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And you will tread on the lion and the adder. And the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. And all God's people said, what? That's so confusing. Can you make it simpler? Yes, he can. That's why I'm here. All right. How does the Lord deliver us? Great question. Especially when you have problems in your life. Maybe even today it's the fact that you have a little next to you and you're thinking to yourself, surely this is a test from God. Verse 3 and 4. First thing, he delivers us from attack. The first assurance of God is he's giving believers the assurance of safety and security from the troubles of life that can be terrifying and destructive. In two ways he does this. Look at number one, verse uh, three, the snare of the fowler, which is a figure of speech for the attempts on one's life. This is a man-made threat. This is a verbal assault on your life. Anybody ever verbally assaulted you? Okay, so we're all in the same boat, right? This is a verbal attack. When he says he delivers me, he delivers me from verbal attacks first and foremost. Number two, second part of verse three, is that it's deadly Pestilence. What in the word does that word mean? That is slander. So we have threats that come from words that cause physical harm, but also slander. It doesn't say a believer will never be caught in this trap, but more the Lord will provide deliverance when you're caught. He will, Psalm twenty-two twenty, deliver you. Now, how does he do that? Because you, you may be sitting here and you're thinking to yourself, hold on a second, but, but I'm going through this trial, I'm going through this tribulation, I don't feel like God's protecting me at all. I don't feel like he's doing anything for me right now. Well, there's two illustrations. Number one, he delivers us by covering his people with pinions, which is the outer parts of a bird's feathers. And I watched this happen the other day. Outside of my window, uh, it was raining. And I watched a bird cover another bird with its feathers. Did the bird underneath of the bird get wet? To a certain extent, yeah. Did it get drenched? Not so much. But what we saw there was the little bird understood that the big bird was there. <laughs> big bird, that's kind of funny. 
especially for today. That even though the rain was coming, even though the storms of life are happening, there is a refuge that is above me. Paul understood this. He said, even though they take my life, even though a physical attack might happen and persecution might come because of my praising the Lord, and even though people are verbally going to slander me, I still know that God is in control and they could kill this body, but they cannot kill my soul. Even though uh, there may be attacks that come that, that destroy you, I know that the joy comes in the morning, meaning that the promise of heaven still has ownership in my life. And he says he is a shield and a buckler, which is a military term for a large shield and a small shield that gave protection and security. Matthew chapter 10 says it like this, don't be afraid. Do not be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. The problems in this life are going to happen. They're going to be transparent. It's going to come. It's going to happen. But the question is, when it comes, do you have the knowledge in your mind to understand that nobody can touch your soul? And when you know nobody can touch your soul, it's amazing how your body responds to that in the midst of pain. We fear the Lord who has the ability to destroy both soul and body. God protects his own like birds in the sky. Perhaps a reason that you feel like God is not protecting you is because you have not spent adequate time in his word. The reason so often we feel like the world is pummeling us is because we cannot respond with the powerful word of God because we have not spent time in it. He delivers us from attacks, but also he delivers us from fear. Look at verse 5. The psalmist answers our question before it asks, well, what if I'm afraid of these texts? Uh, God faithfully provides protection. We might be afraid, but God never is. He doesn't fear the terror of the night, verse 5, or the arrows that fly by the day. He doesn't uh, fear these verbal attacks that stalk in darkness, verse 6. He does not fear destruction that wastes at noonday. All of these are references, 5 and verse 6, to times of day. So there's morning, there's afternoon, and there's evening. This is a strong case, church, for you having a morning devotional life, an afternoon devotional life, and an evening devotional life. There should be three times in the day where we're constantly checking back into the word and we're saying, okay, God, uh, it's the morning. You can have the morning. And here's how I prepare my mind for the morning, by praising you. Okay, God, it's the afternoon. We got through the morning. Praise you for the things that you allowed to transpire in my life. And now let's refocus and let's readjust. This is a strong case for praying for your meal at lunchtime, right? And then in the evening, how many times do we go to bed and before we go to bed, we gather and we say, God, you're so good through all things that happened in today's world, through all things that happened in my life and everything that transpired, you're still good. You're working through the hardships and you're working through the good times. Those three check-ins. Do you do three check-ins with the Lord every single day? And he says, a thousand or even 10,000 may fall around the Lord, but it won't come near you. And verse seven, look at that, reminds us of this nod to Egypt. Those who trusted in God's word and applied the blood were spared death, but all around them were dead men. If the Old Testament teaches us God brings many things, plagues and terrors and traps, etc., to nations because of disobedience, then it opens our eyes to the fact that we need to make the Lord our refuge and strength daily. 
We are safe in the Lord because we're armed with God's protection. If we trust and obey God's word, we have nothing to be anxious about. Now notice here, the psalmist isn't saying that believers will have a trouble-free life. No, he says, but in a relationship with God through faith in Christ, we don't have to fear anything or judgment or unbelief because of wickedness. John chapter 14, verse 27 says it so much better. And this is why we pass the peace of Christ on Sunday mornings. Because we know that Jesus gives us peace and peace he leaves us and peace he gives to us so that you can be filled with his peace and not the world's constant pushback. Don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. When problems come, the biggest thing that we can do is prep our mindset over the fact that God is sovereign and that he will intervene as he chooses. Now look at verse 9 through 13, really interesting. He says, I will deliver you from fear. I will deliver you from attack. It might come, but you can dwell underneath uh, my words and here I will give you angelic intervention. Both those who have come to personally put their faith and trust in Christ, you have made the Lord your dwelling place, as well as the psalmist, the most high is my refuge. No, the evil and plagues don't come near Exodus, the tents of believers. And he will command the angels, as it says here in the text, to guard all of our ways. Now, I'm going to give you a crash course on angels real fast. It is amazing that we have the ability to pray not to the angels, but for God to enlist the help of the angels. The angels in the Bible are said to be the protectors of worldly government. They might be having a 10-minute break. Just kidding. We know they prosper the righteous in their journeys. And we know that they watch over the faithful. Here we see that in Psalm 91.11, God appointed or charged his angels to protect the righteous in all of their ways. Wherever they go, whatever they do, and however they live. These angelic beings are sent where they're needed, but they're not there to serve some selfish advantage. So let me show you how this plays out in our life, especially with the littles who are here today. It is not uncommon for our family to gather at night. And as we gather at night, we talk about the day and what transpired in the day and how God was good and how we're working through situations and circumstances. And then we pray together as a family. Now, if you have really uh, little ones and you pray together as a family, and if, if it just is chaos, keep going, okay? It's good. A family in chaos when it comes to prayer is still a family in prayer. Amen? All right, so you will hear my kids pray this almost every single night. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for all the things that you've done, all the things that you are doing. We pray right now that you would send your angels to surround our home, that you would fight battles for us that we don't need to fight. Are they biblical in praying that prayer? Absolutely, 100%. Matter of fact, one time when my daughter was real little, she looked at me and she says, Dad, I envision all these angels outside of our house having a party. And I said, well, I hope they're, they're uh, on point while they're having a party, right? But this is exactly what it says. You can pray this prayer. God, I don't think you know how demonic my workplace is. 
I pray that you would send angels to surround my workplace. God, we're going through problems in our marriage. I pray that you would send angels to surround our home so that we can work out these things that are transpiring in our life. God, I don't think you understand about how dangerous my neighborhood is. You can call down angels to come and to minister, in other words, to protect us as we do diligence for the Lord. How do we know this? Jesus went through this as he was uh, finishing up his temptation. Who came to minister to him? Angelic beings. We don't pray to angels, but we can Always call on God's armies of angels. And we know that divine help comes. And he gives strength to his followers in overcoming difficulties. And if you look at verse 12 and 13, this is uh, divine help from wild lions and dangerous snakes. Church, remember Christ when you are discouraged who has the power to overcome the enemy. In his Temptation, we realize that God shows all of these marvelous promises can be applied everywhere. This is what it boils down to. The psalmist, if he were here today, and we were to ask him to summarize what he just told us, he would say that you are not survivors as followers of Christ. You are victors in Jesus. I'm reminded of the old song, Oh, victory in Jesus. He's my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me. I'm not surviving this world. I'm victorious in the world. That's why the book of Ephesians says you put on the full armor of God. We're not playing offense anymore. We're playing defense. And so when problem comes and pain comes, what do we do? We spit back into those problems and pain the word of God. And we know that he is faithful and just and he will follow through on his word. The commentator says it like this. He says, the assurance of safety and security in times of terrifying threats comes from a wholehearted trust in the presence of God. Do you have a wholehearted trust in the presence of God? Do you know that he will come to your rescue? It might not be in ways that you want him to come, but it will always be in ways in which he will come. And he is working for the good of those who love him. Sometimes it's behind the scenes, but you gotta hold on and see it through. He has entrusted the faithful to his angels for protection and deliverance. The promises of God are sure and they are true, but the appreciation of them requires believers to trust in him completely and remain faithful. Your trust may be there, but let me ask you a question. Are you remaining faithful? You say, I trust in the Lord. The American church is big at proclaiming a trust in the Lord, but we often fall short of continuing to be faithful because we find ourselves worldly when the pressures of this life comes. We give in to the temptations that come into our life, and we say, God, would you work through that? And he says, I want you to repent of that, and I want you to see that I can work in your obedience. In the New Testament times, we see dangers are just as real as they were in Old Testament times. And we have to endure them. And as we endure them, we cling to God's word and the model that was given to us by Christ. Jesus said, we need not fear those who try to destroy us, but fear the Lord who knows and cares for us completely. If you've made a declaration of faith in Christ, then your opportunity and obligation is to trust in him and him alone in all things being obedient to his word. It is the same Jesus that told John to not be afraid of what is coming, for he overcame death and holds the keys to life and death. 
Paul said, no matter what dangers come our way, nothing can separate us from the eternal love of God in Christ. Whatever you're going through right now, the Lord is one call away. He is our heavenly Father who looks at us and says, you can call on me at all times and all ways. And he's going to call you back to his son to conform to the image of his son and to be obedient to his word as you see the day approaching. May we not live in disobedience, but obedience, conforming to the image of Christ. Let's pray for that this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you that no matter what the circumstances are that are invading our life right now, there is no evil or harm that the enemy can inflict on us except what you permit. And that it is for our eternal good and the glory of your name. And there's so many people here, God, who are thinking to themselves, why would you allow this to transpire? And we're reminded that there's sin in the world and there's problems in the world and there's pain in the world. And our focus must be on you and you alone. We thank you, God, that we are your children. If you are here this morning and you don't have a relationship with God through faith in Christ, make the best decision you could ever make. Call upon the Heavenly Father by confessing your sins, repenting of those sins, and coming to a relationship with God through faith and trust in Christ. We pray, Lord, as we draw closer to you and grow more in a relationship with you, that we would find ourselves abiding under the shadow of your protective wings in the morning and in the afternoon and in the evening. Lord, it is so wonderful to see your plan of salvation that unfolds through Scripture And we identify these passages like Psalm 91 that point us to be like Christ. And we thank you and praise you that even though Christ was fully God, he still demonstrated for us what it looks like to live in total dependence upon you. He demonstrated to us what it looks like to live a life of faith and trust. Help us to model Christ as we strive to trust you. Heavenly Father, there's so many times we have failed to fly and we ask for your forgiveness of our sin. And we pray that from this day forward we would live as Christ lived in total dependence upon you, our refuge and our fortress. And we ask these things in Jesus' precious name and all God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Community Gospel Church podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, simply log on to communitygospelchurch.com and click the Contribute tab.